Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's twice-weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. A very warm welcome to This Sunday's Game. We have a really special one lined up for you today and before you ask, no, it's not Jose Mourinho because having lost out to Desi Farrell for the Dublin senior football job, he has refused to speak with GEA or even GGE media. Instead, we're going to go one better. A man who tweeted, and I quote, Norwich City was the first club I went to on trial when I was younger, so I always look out for their results and hope they get hammered. They never offered me anything. And incredible, you couldn't write this stuff. The ball boy that helped Spurs with the second goal is Pochettino's youngest son, Flavio, who plays in the under-15s at Spurs. Now, while the first tweet was retweeted by BBC's Match of the Day and the entire county of Norfolk went onto the computer to dial up the internet to hate him, the second was fully believed by media outlets and went viral. So from these small acorns, the big man from Bellyborough and County Cavan has gone from strength to strength online. Killian Sheridan has played Champions League at Old Trafford for Glasgow Celtic. He's won the Bulgarian Cup with Siska Sofia and two Cypriot League Cup doubles with Apoel Nicosia. And he is now with Wisla Plotsk in Poland's Extra Klasa. He'll tell us about his journey from Paradise in Bellyborough to Paradise in Glasgow and his end game of being the anti-Jim McGuinness. But first, a wee bit of news. As lockdown restrictions ease in some countries, GGE member clubs like Prague, Zurich and Munich have begun tentatively returning to the field. While fear remains, safeguards have been strictly enforced to prevent what we're seeing in professional sports. In England, six individuals from three Premier League clubs have just tested positive for COVID. That from 748 persons tested on May 17th and 18th. The Premier League, which has constantly cried poor mouth in relation to uh, affording tests to detect doping, seem very concerned now. Supporting Spurs' Danny Rose in a refusal to return to training, Watford's Troy Deeney says he will not go training. Premier League training began yesterday. Of course, his boss, Nigel Pearson, who we spoke with last week, has also got concerns and supports his player, especially since one player and two staff at their club have just been diagnosed with coronavirus. Deeney went on to say that, I can't get a haircut until mid-July, but I can go and get in a box with 19 people and go and jump for a header. And nobody could answer the questions. Not because they didn't want to, just because they don't know the information. So, if I said you don't know the information, why would I put myself at risk? Meanwhile, Alexander Seferin, UEFA's head, has problems falling asleep at night over losing millions and millions of dollars. Now, he's praised the top two German leagues for going back to business and is continuing to look for a reason to let Manchester City back into the Champions League. City, of course, broke financial fair play rules last year and have been banned from European competition. However, next month they are due to uh, appeal that ruling. In Ireland, the battle for eye-catching headlines continues. While Donegal's Michael Murphy supports the GAA stance on a community welfare approach, the uh, main quote of a recent article with him from the weekend is that in rural Ireland, it's massive that we get pitches open. It went on, of course, to say that it's the hub of everything that goes on in the communities around Ireland. However, in context, he also said that it is not possible at the moment. We are just going to have to try and live with this virus for a little while longer. Hopefully, 
slowly and gradually we can get club pitches back open again. Now on the same programme, Sunday game, was Tommaso Shea and he has praised the GAA with their approach. As he said, I'd love to see the pitches back open, but we'll go back when we're told by the health authorities. If you open up the pitches, it has to be manned properly. There's a danger that it could explode into something that is really not safe. I think the GAA have given themselves time and covered themselves well. If they can start before October, they will. Now, Camogie president Kathleen Woods says her association is ready to adapt, and that includes even ever closer cooperation with the GAA. Now, our former guest here on this Sunday's game, Camogie CEO Sinead McDulty, she is now on the new 14-person GAA COVID-19 advisory group. Kathleen, of course, added, added even that our players come from the same families and those inside the GAA assume that we're all the one anyway. Former GAA president and leashman Liam O'Neill is also looking at the upside, stating in a recent interview that we can resume stronger when the time comes, we'll be even more relevant when that happens because we will have looked after our people and addressed our problems. And finally, a little bit of a stateside kind of news. Um, having left Castle Island in County Kerry for Melbourne, Australia to train as an American football kicker, yeah, he didn't take that route, 18-year-old David Shanahan will be yet another Irish player going to US football in, via the college route. And he is going to join in January 2021 the Georgia Tech University in Atlanta, in of course, Georgia. Now, he's going to follow in the bootsteps of Dublin's Neil O'Donoghue, who went from Round Towers GA Club in Plundalkin via Auburn University to be drafted by the Buffalo Bills, where of course he played alongside none other than O.J. Simpson. Neil went on to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Cardinals. Okay, and now we're ready to start our show with Killian Sheridan. So I straight away asked him just what has made him such a superstar on Twitter. Okay, and as promised, we have a real-life superstar and social media star as well as a football star. So I guess you star on and off the field. He's all the way from Cavan, and he's now in Poland speaking live to us here on this Sunday's game. A very warm welcome to Killian Sheridan. How you doing? Thanks for having me on again. Listen, the last time we spoke, as I mentioned before we came on, they, they were really shocked to, to know that you're a real footballer with a brain and a sense of humor how does that happen there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of them the same you just maybe don't see them so much uh, i don't know i don't know like i say there's there's plenty of them of us there's plenty more of do you think that it's a good thing then that most of them then aren't using twitter as well as you do because otherwise you'd be there'd be no work for comedians no, nah, no, nah, I've I've kind of cornered a nice little market, so I don't want them. I don't want anyone else coming in and and stealing stealing some of my uh, my cult my cult following. <laughs> before before we go on, to, we'll start off with the GAA background. Tell us in terms of like Twitter and the crack you're having on it. What made you sort of um, start to wind people up and set people up? Because again, as you said, like a, a lot of people, even regular people, are not going to do it. So why did you start it? I've always kind of liked Twitter, like making jokes on, like if something big is happening, I'll make a joke about it. And then I wasn't, I wasn't using it for ages. And then I started again and it came up with the Norwich 
the thing about being on trial at Norwich, getting all the kind of like abuse and stuff from Norwich fans or from <laughs> just people who, who didn't know me at all. Like it, it didn't annoy me one bit at all. And it was kind of like I was reading them and kind of laughing to myself because it's not something that I believe in. It's not like my a real opinion that I have. <laughs> and then if, pe- if people are calling me out for that, I'd probably be a bit more upset or you'd take it to heart. But the fact that it's like, it's something I don't believe. It's an opinion I'm making up. That if I can get a reaction like of people that start to get a bit angry or something like that, then it's, I don't know, I just, I just find it funny. <laughs> this, are you like that in real life? Do, do you sort of wind people up so much that they're, they're going to take a swing at you? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, no, I just, I don't know. I just, it just worked one day. And then I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of found the formula to how to do it. <laughs> no, this, this, he's not going to be scared by very, very much. We, we, did that help you like that? You were kind of um, a little bit fearless. Yeah. The, oh, the other side of it is that I'm not at the start of my career either. I'm at a stage where I know like I'm at the, other side of my career it'll be finishing I'm not going to say soon but <laughs> I don't really have to worry about not that I say like bad things or anything but I, if I was younger and doing that I, it could put a club off like big clubs it would probably put them off saying oh no he's on that too much or he talks about this too much whereas I think the position I'm in I'm not really at clubs the size of where the players like every everything they say is going to be put under a microscope um, so I've kind of like I've and the places I've been I've got a bit more freedom in terms of a lot of people aren't going to understand English so I can say stuff and it was the same in Israel a lot of people would read it and they're not really going to pick up on it um, so that that's probably why I've been able to just kind of be myself on it because um, like I said I don't, I don't say anything controversial or bad about people or 90% of the stories and stuff are made up anyway so I make sure that I think people know that it's made up it's you don't have to worry about it go back to the, the start of the career before the Reader Soccer career started um, from Baileyborough how, how close are you to, to going on and progressing with a career in Gaelic football it would have been like obviously Cavan at that time the main sport was you grow up playing Gaelic and it's the sport you learn from like under 8s under 10s so it was always football never I don't think really would have entered my mind to be like I'm going to be a professional footballer see football I started getting trials and stuff doing good at football probably at the same time I had had to make a decision of Going and trying to like, it's weird if if I didn't have the distraction of going for soccer, like for trials and stuff, I would have had I would have been planning to play for Calvin senior team. I think when soccer stuff started to come, that kind of got pushed out of my mind. So I never, I don't think I ever really pl- planned for myself or envisioned myself to be like playing for Calvin. You had you had an opportunity, as far as I I remember, to go down and play AFL. Correct? Yeah. So yeah. So that's the, like I had that as well. So first it was going to be soccer. Then kind of if that didn't work out, 
was the chance for the Aussie rules. And then after all of that, then I probably would have thought about Gaelic football. But it was the fact that I had those other, like you're saying, a career, like an actual sports career, professional footballer, then they, they took precedence over, over Gaelic. How were the family with that? I mean, were they a bit worried that you were going to go off on a football career? Because football careers, as we know, are very uncertain. And a lot of lads, they might go over to the UK and come back less than they went across. So were the folks a bit worried? No, I don't think so. If they were, I never got the feeling of it. Um, You can say pros and cons about it. Everyone, of course, there's going to be players that don't make it and come back. But, I mean, when they come back, they're still going to be... 19, 20, 21 maybe. Still very young to go and decide what career you want to do. And then even like most, ki- most kids that finish school, I'd say a high percentage of them don't go and have the career that they had plans when they started studying in college. I mean, you could just treat going over for two, three years trying to be a footballer as the same as studying for two or three years for something that you don't end up working for. So... I think it's maybe because the percentage is so much higher of players that don't make it than do make it. That's kind of that's the first thing everyone thinks of. But um, I kind of went over with nothing to lose as well, so it was I was in a good position. That's a good analogy, actually. You're saying about like going and spending two, three years in England or Scotland, wherever you know, or Wales. It is an education in itself. When when you went over, what were the biggest? Because you went, of course, from you know, playing Gaelic and, and being a you know, good, strong lad, going across then very, very young. What were the, the biggest things that hit you when you went over there, apart from defenders? No, I think just everything, because it was the first time really I was in like full-time training. All the, other, all the other players were used to it, because I went over a year later than most guys would have went over. And probably just the speeds that everything would have been done. Because they're, they're in doing it every single day, whereas I was, like with Belvedere, on a Saturday morning train and then Sunday play and that was it. Then the other days during the week, it's just kind of messing with your friends. So that was probably the thing I had to adjust to the most. And I, I think as well it helped me because I went without any expectations or anything. So everything was new to me. So if something that I'd kind of underestimated that ended up being much harder than I thought. It worked on the flip side of something that some of the other guys there might have been nervous about. I I wouldn't have known how much it meant to like maybe go and train with the reserves or something like that or get called up and train with the first team. Works for me. I think I think it works to to my benefit. Oh, in terms of like the the age going over, do you think that you were the right age? To, to go over in terms of maturity wise and being prepared yeah yeah I was 17 it's something that I always it kind of annoys me that for some reason they say this at, like footballers that they go over too young or move out or whatever Every all my other friends at 17, 18 had to go and even some 16 had to go and say yeah, I done my leaving cert but the, you're filling in your CAO form at 17 they're expecting people to know at 17 what they want to do for their careers. This is what you want to work as for your life. I don't know. I think it, to go and play sports isn't as hard a job as to... Not, not as hard a job, but it, I mean, it doesn't... They both have the same consequence. You're making big decisions at 17. If you're... if I think what I'm trying to say is if 
seem to be mature enough to decide what job you want to do for your life, then surely you're mature enough to go over and live in the UK for two, three years. Lads and lassies go across to the UK for their university. So it's... Yeah, and, and they're living with other students. Yeah. I'm going over and I'm living with a family. Yeah, you're getting put into digs. I was in with another Irish guy, Eric Foley, and we were living in a house of mum and her son. Going there, you've got your own room. You've, you've got your lunch and dinner all there. So you're like become part of the family. Compare that to going over and studying in Glasgow or Edinburgh and you're living with four or five other students. It's <laughs> A lot less crack, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, completely different. Was was there an added pressure coming from Cavan and going to play for Celtic? No, no, I, d- I didn't feel it at the time anyway. Um, and I think that I think because I went over later, the team I was at at Belvedere, I was never seen as an up and coming player or like a prospect for the future or anything. It was all, that was all the other players, so I was never really had any pressure of he's going to succeed or he's going to be the one. It was kind of, like I was saying, like I had nothing to lose. It was, if it goes, if it goes good, then it goes good. And if not, it's probably what was expected. So like that pressure of it. But at the same time, I knew it felt like it's still a big, massive club. And that's the one thing I've always said that going over that, I didn't really have the same pressures as a lot of other guys would have had them. But the, from that team, there was like, I, I'm sure there was about 11 players that all went across to teams in either England or Scotland. How, how was that going, you know, coming on as a, a sub in Old Trafford to play against United? Yeah, it, was, it worked out brilliant or like perfect for me because the, in Old Trafford, the way things happened, it kind of, I probably wouldn't have played at Old Trafford if the team wasn't losing 3-0. Gordon Strachan maybe, I think, had a, he brought me on with like 10, 15 minutes to go losing 3-0 at Old Trafford. And I think he just said, like, go and enjoy it. Like, Old Trafford, enjoy yourself. I t- I'm sure in between that I played, I had my first start, Hibs at Celtic Park, and I scored. And then the next game, I have a feeling, was Man United at home. Uh, there was some injuries. So it wasn't until the morning or the day before when I found out that I'd be playing. So I didn't really have like a lot of time to get nervous or anything. And then because it's Champions League, Celtic Park, you're kind of, it's adrenaline and all of that takes over any nerves, I think. I don't remember feeling too nervous about, about that game. Did you think that then at that stage, Jesus boys, I have this made? No, not, no, not that you have it made, but... You've kind of, I think once you once you make your first team debut, that's when you can kind of say, okay, I'm a footballer. Then when I, I think when I when I played those games at Champions League and stuff, I probably didn't appreciate how big it was. Kind of the chance that I had. I think because it was Celtic at the time, where I think the last two years had gotten out of the Champions League groups with winning the league. So kind of every year it was. The normal thing was Champions League groups, even getting out of the groups. So you kind of took it a bit for granted that, well, this is, if you're playing for Celtic, automatically you're playing Champions League. 
Um, it's gotten a lot harder, I think, now. But uh, yeah, I think pro- probably not maybe realizing how how big a thing it was. You, you had like the lone moves, and then eventually you're, you you move out of Celtic after, after what five years with the with the club. Would that be right? Four, four years. Yeah. Four, yeah. You couldn't progress any further in Celtic when you're moving. Like, were you happy to to eventually to get on the road? Yeah, because yeah, I'm sure that my last two years at Celtic, I was on loan, maybe three or four loan moves every transfer window. And I got to the stage where if I think I'd a year left on my contract and the way they do it was they wouldn't let you go out on loan if you only had a year left on your contract. If you go and have a good six months, then you go and leave for free. So the club. So if you, if you wanted to go out on loan, you'd have to sign a one-year extension. If I had a chance that I got a transfer instead of going out on loan again, I wanted to do that, and then the fact it came up. The pro- no, the main reason was that it was a really good offer from Sofia. And then kind of the doubt was always, it's Bulgaria, like abroad, never done it. But then the fact that it was going to be a transfer, not another loan move, it kind of probably sealed it. It's to the far side of Europe, to Eastern Europe, and to Sofia, CSKA Sofia, how was it there? How, did you enjoy it? Was it a different style of football? Did you enjoy the lifestyle as well in Sofia? No, when I first went over, it was because uh, it's everything's new and started off good, qualified for the Europa League. It's like everything kind of was, was playing, everything was good. Got out of the team and then just wasn't doing enough to kind of force myself back into the team or just wasn't doing the right things. And then just didn't like it. And the moment I, I kind of the mo- as soon as I didn't enjoy living there or being there, I just kind of didn't care. Like, or I kind of gave up. Then I'd be like, right, well, in January I'll move. Or now I know what I should do. Being a better professional, I think, or having a better mindset about it. Because one of the things I'd, I'd said before I left was it was a three-year contract. And worst case scenario, I'm there for three years. I'll be 24 when I come back or when I finish. I'll still be young. Despite how bad it went for me, I think, and how much I didn't like it, it ended up being really beneficial for me for any future moves. Like when a chance came to go to Cyprus or to anywhere, I was able to be like, yeah, no problem. And that's me not doing the right things. I know if I go somewhere else, I know what I need to do now or what I need to do differently. Probably if I didn't go there, I probably wouldn't have had all the moves to like different countries that, that I've had. Because in 2010, so you, you go out to Bulgaria and you also make a debut for Ireland and you play three caps in the one year, Paraguay, Algeria, and then you play against Argentina as well. Did you ever have in the back of your mind, because you, you can't put yourself out of the box, you're, you're, you're a big man, and Ireland have been always looking for someone who can act as an outlet, um, even the last couple of years when we're struggling for goals. Would you, would you ever think of, Jesus, why am I not being called up? No, there was only one time I thought that when I was in Cyprus. The playing Champions League in Cyprus was the only time, and probably when I first moved to Poland, that was the only time where I really felt... That like I I wouldn't have felt out of place there or any other, a lot of the other times I probably felt like nah it's just kind of it's more 
media talking like that way or using my name or saying yeah. I should be there. That was probably the only time where I really felt like my, in myself that, yeah, I actually disappointed not to make squads or anything. Like um, like kind of the, the, the Irish media or the, the British media say overseas, even though you're just like, you know, a, a Ryanair flight away. Do you think that being, <coughs> being, being, you know, kind of on the continent, that went against you? Possibly, yeah. It, it could totally just be, it wouldn't matter where I was. I could be, in, I could have been at a championship club or league one club and they might just have not liked the way I played. More, that's probably the reason. I don't really think the overseas thing plays a big part. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to get over that because before I started going abroad, I kind of had the mentality of if it's not like in the main four leagues in Europe, then you're not interested in it. So I, I can understand it from that point of view. I'd probably think that it was just I wasn't what they were looking for. Right. So, as you mentioned, you moved uh, Cyprus, you had a couple of clubs in Cyprus, to the, well, big teams, Apoel and Ammonia. From what I know from Cyprus, um, moving from Apoel to Ammonia, it's both Nicosia, correct? That's like kind yeah. of from Celtic to Rangers. How did you manage that? How, how are you still alive? No, it, it worked out. I never had any, any re- one time there was an incident, but I've had no trouble over it. Um, because it was my contract at Apoel was two years and it finished and they didn't want to renew. So it was kind of like they said, you can like, we don't want you. And then I had the chance to go to Ammonia. So it wasn't like there what's happened a few times is players have left Ammonia and went to Apoel and done it in a way where they kind of screwed over the club. Ah, okay. Or no, sorry, I shouldn't know. Did we rent? They didn't they didn't do that. There was money problems. So the club screwed themselves, really. Okay. Um, and then it was uh, the players like left Ammonia to go to Apoel. And Apoel was more successful. And, and a lot of them, most of them were all Cypriot as well. So uh-huh. it meant a bit more. So I never really had... A kind of like a lot of the Apoel fans would see me and be like, oh, I wish we had a catcher or... We really liked you when you were here. There was never any anything too bad at me. Or no bullets in the post or like pig's head thrown in the car. No, 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 I didn't, no. Okay. So you were done, long after you had like three terrific seasons, of course, in the top flight in Poland, uh, scoring goals with uh, Bialystok. How was life? Because you, you come from the Sunshine Isle of Cyprus up to... Well, you know, we have, we have a club in, in Warsaw, but it's like going up to Bialystok because it's it's a work. I don't know what's better, Bailiborough or Bialystok. Nah, Bailiborough's over a lot of places. Yeah, no, Bialystok came. It was in my head about for the Ireland squads, thinking if I went to the Polish league and done well, it might be seen or it might carry a bit more weight. And it was coming up to the Euros, and I thought this is probably my best chance of making it. So I was in playing good in good form. And I kind of felt like this is my, if, if I'm going to do it now, then this is probably my best route. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> is it, was it, was it the kind of the Ulster thing where uh, Martin O'Neill's from Derry and he hates people from Cavan? 
Uh, nah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think generally people, Cavan people travel well. Everyone, everyone knows someone from Cavan, so. <laughs> well, no, listen, I'll, I'll say like our, 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 our vice chair is from Cavan and would you have a guess, have a guess where another position on our management committee, like, uh, what would you reckon? We've another Cavan man in place there. So what, what position <laughs> do you reckon he'd have? He'll be the treasurer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <You're> treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's Dara. Now, Dara, by the way, he's, he, well, both Dara and Anthony are both living in Munich. And uh, Dara is a, a diehard Bayern fan. So he's a big, big Bayern fan. So he's, you know. Ah, yeah. You know, I would always talk, Cavan people have taste, but sure, you know. You, one of their, one of their young, young players I played with last season in New Zealand, Singh. Yeah, he made his, made his debut for them this season. Was he out on loan, I think, in, in Wellington, was he? No, no, he's New Zealand. He's 21, 20 or 21. But he, play, he was playing for Wellington, playing for New Zealand in the under-20s World Cup right. in the summer. Had a good tournament and Bayern Munich signed him. They signed him for the, like, the second team in the third Bundesliga. Yeah. And done, was with the first team all pre-season. And has been with has been like trains full time with the first team and came on as a sub in one of their games before the winter break. Really good, really, really good. I was wasn't surprised that he got such a good move, and um, and then kind of like to go in and be in about like the first team so quickly. But it's weird because he was already playing first team football anyway. So it's you, yeah, like so you you were down in you, what took you to New Zealand from from Poland? Why why New Zealand? Is Again, it just wor- it was just the way things worked out. I was told in Poland we finished the season, or not the season, it was coming up to the winter break. And I was told just, bef- just as we were leaving that when we come back for the pre-season in January, that I wouldn't be going in the part of the squad to the training camp. Basically that I can go and look for another club. And then it was literally like the same day I had a phone call from New Zealand. Uh, he sold it to me over the phone, and it was either it was it was only six month contract, but it was either I had six months left on my contract anyway in Bialystok, so there was a chance that I go back there. Maybe something doesn't come up in January, and I'm in Bialystok not playing for six months, and then in the summertime not in a great position, and then it almost worked out that way anyway, going to New Zealand. It was weird because it was the the two strikers that were playing. The team was playing with a uh, two strikers, which is a bit weird as well in football now. But the two of them just were on fire, kept scoring. One of them finished the top scorer and won the player of the league. And then the other guy was on fire, kept scoring, like was scoring hat tricks, unbelievable goals, everything. So I was, just couldn't get in, couldn't get into the team, couldn't get a game. Just timing, really. Would you ever think, I just said a bit bad, but uh, would you ever think, you know, doing a sort of a, a Tanya Harding at any time when the fella Hedy is doing really well? Nah, I wouldn't have it in me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's always something that asks the question. Cause, like, was, people, that the ice, was that the ice skater? That's the one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So from, from you went there via Israel and now you're back in Poland again in plots. Israel itself is an interesting place to be living. That's where we were speaking to you last time. Um, 
and then back up to plus. But in plus, you got a decent deal. You've got like a year and a half, a season and a half. Yeah, like we're saying that I had six months in New Zealand. Well, I say to people New Zealand, Australia, because when I say New Zealand, they're like, oh, I didn't know they play football in New Zealand or there's a league. It's in the A-League, Australia. But. So it's six months there and then it ended up looking like it was going to be six months in Israel. And then the last thing I wanted was to go somewhere again on six months. So I had offers to go to other teams kind of like for six-month loans until the end of the season in Israel. But I just had to, when I had the chance to go somewhere where I was getting kind of time to settle in, get used to a team, everything like that, it was, just worked out really well. Everything kind of fitted in. So, yeah, I didn't really have any hesitations in, in doing it. Do you speak any Polish, Gillian? Very small. I should speak a lot more. <laughs> okay. we, we used to have to go and take lessons at, uh, in Bialyst that the coach didn't uh, the coach didn't really speak English at all so he'd have all the foreigners going we had to go for Polish lessons but the thing was say he, we go in once the season gets up and running so it's like July, August by the time all the new players are in the end of the transfer window September you start to go for lessons you take lessons up until the Christmas, the winter break. So then you come back, January, training camp. Transfer window shuts the end of February in Poland. So you're starting, new players will come, players will leave. So a new foreigner will come. And you go back to your Polish lessons in March, probably. But because, but because there's a new, a new person in the class, you have to go back and start with them at the beginning. So we're all in the same class. So you constantly go yeah, back to so the beginners had, all the time? Yeah, so we'd go, we'd get about two months worth and then have to go back from the beginning again. No. It, 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 did, it did help going to classes and stuff. I'm going to learn more than I'm not going to learn, but I just, I don't really try and use it too much because it's the, it's the, all the tenses and it's very, very hard to learn. Obviously, Israel and New Zealand, they're English speaking countries and of course, Bulgaria speaks Bulgarian. Um, has a Cavan accent hurt you at any time or, or being a bit of a, a hindrance no because that's no that's one thing everyone always says when I go to different countries they never have a problem understanding me because I've been because I know what it's like speaking bad English ultimately <laughs> that I know I know how to say stuff to them that they'll understand so I'm almost speaking to them the way they'd speak to me and then like if if there's another foreigner in the team or not? No, not another foreigner. If there's another like British or Irish person in the team, they don't, they can't understand them, and then they'll they'll be like, "Why don't you speak? Why does Killian speak differently to you?" So I've mastered that kind of bad, bad English, bad grammar and stuff. So basically, you speak to everyone like you're speaking to someone from Monaghan, slowly and deliberately, <laughs> so they can understand. Yeah. You know? yeah. It, you know, it's kind of all that joke, like you know, you leave, you leave. Um, you know, you, you, the, the, go from, the road from Cavan goes into Monaghan. You leave Cavan on the Wednesday and you arrive in Monaghan in like 1642 or something, you know? So it's... Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, 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 I would make that joke your way around if I'm talking to a Monaghan person, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not often I get to be the superior county in jokes. <laughs> normally normally I'm, I'm, I'm the Monaghan in the joke. 
<laughs> just go on to just for 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 we 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 uh, sort of edge towards a conclusion. What what are, what are the worst Cavan jokes you've had to endure from? Right. None really, just the the money thing. It's, <laughs> but it's uh, it doesn't bother me too much at all. But it, I know I know it's coming. I know it's always coming. So. <laughs> <laughs> and do, how do you counteract that though you just like laugh or just ignore like just go, show go with it no you gotta go with it lap it up because <laughs> apart from being like mean or stingy what other like good traits do cabin people have I think we travel very well my like even just from Baileyborough there's people living and working in the weirdest places <laughs> And that's like one thing I find nearly everyone and I talk to knows someone from Calvin. So you've like your your friend there has ticked two boxes. Living <laughs> living in Munich and he's from Calvin. And treasurer as well of a of a... And treasurer, yeah. So he's yeah. <laughs> he he'll never forgive me for that by the way, he'll never forgive me. First of all, what does how has lockdown been? Because you signed for a new club and suddenly bang, it's all locked down. So just give because everyone we're all we're all itching to get back training and playing, of course, because all our, our Competitions have been cancelled all the way through till at least till August. You know, like uh, say in Munich, they're only going back training this week uh, after being two and a half months locked down. What's it like for professional athletes? Poland, I think, dealt with it very well. They shut down everything really quickly. Uh, so we're we came back. What day is it? We came back last Monday, last Tuesday, last week. Anyway, we came back training full together everyone but we weren't in the changing rooms or anything we just have to turn up all ready to go so you're turning up 10 minutes before training and then you're on the pitch and then today was the first day where we could come in and use the changing rooms and the ground and everything so today was the first day where it was kind of like back to normal and then the first the first game is our first game is on the 31st of may so it's, it's only two weeks away it was it wasn't the worst thing in the world for me to be honest. When we couldn't train or go in together, we were given programs and stuff. So I'd just kind of wake up, have breakfast, go and do whatever had to be done, and then just kind of treated that as the time I'd go for my training. I have more time free during the day, but I mean before that anyway, from one o'clock pretty much that's my day finished. Anyway, so all I would have been doing before was like I was going, getting up, have breakfast, go in and train, come home, have lunch, and then I'm usually I'm just going to be in the house all day. Um, like Plosk, it's not a big city. Would have been spending most of my time here anyway inside. So I wasn't in a I wasn't in a bad position. Okay. The time before training and the time after training, where you might be hanging about or you're getting your stuff done to get ready to go out and train, or you finish training, come in and do some recovery stuff or which is like, that could be an hour either side. So there's two, two and a half hours. That's, that really was the only big difference. And then on, on, there's the, it's more so just the feeling of you can't go outside. Like oh. I, probably, I probably wouldn't have went out and done things. The fact that you're not allowed to do it, you feel like, oh, like I would have been out anyway. But You, you mentioned like in Sofia, um, things are done differently. What did you do wrong? I would have probably would have trained better when I wasn't in the team or when I wasn't enjoying it. Instead, probably at the time, I just was like, 
well, I want to leave. They don't want me. I don't really care. Instead of kind of, like, I think a big thing in football is it's like your reputation. So if you kind of now everywhere I go, I want to leave. If a manager asks a previous manager I had, what was he like? They're going to say, yeah, very good, great around the dressing room, great trainer, good professional. Whereas I'd have the complete opposite if you asked the manager I had us in Sofia. And like young, stupid, didn't really, you don't think about things like that. But uh, that's one of the things now I see when I see like, if a team signs a player who's had a good career, like being at big teams, you can see it straight away after the first week. You can see how they train, everything they do. You see it and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see why he's had that career. That's that's probably, I think, one of the biggest things I would have done differently there. But then again, the fact that I didn't do that probably made me realise that I needed to do it. So I don't know if I had a stayed in Scotland and still kind of kind of going through the motions I might not have got to do what, what I went on and, and, and done When I'm looking at uh, like base here in Russia we see Russian players like for example the coach of the Russian national team uh, Churchesov he coached and won the double in Poland and came back and thought yeah he's, he's done it abroad now he played abroad as well and a lot of international players playing in the Polish league and so on do you think that that would be enough to get you another move, say, back back into the UK or to, to England? No, I think I've been out of the UK too long for me to get back into like a good team. I think that's like that's probably that's one of the reasons why I'm always going abroad because I don't like simply don't have don't get those offers in England. So I'm going for the next best thing I get so but then I th- I've, I've kind of found that the last the last few seasons that the, the more you're away from it the harder it is to get to get back into that into that market because they're not looking at you they don't see you they'll just think oh he's been away playing in whatever league Is there another country you'd like to go to move to? Uh, no I've, I've stopped trying to predict where I'll end up given the last year last 18 months of a uh, there's no, nah, there's no point in me trying, to. and I'm not in the position where I can pick and choose clubs and countries where I go. So, um, yeah, and I like all. I just keep pretty open mind towards towards everywhere. Is uh, Baileyborough where you're going to end up, or will you end up staying, buying a, an apartment in Poland, and living in Poland? No, I, I couldn't afford to come back and live in Ireland. <laughs> no, I don't. Know. My girlfriend Jody, she's from Glasgow. I, I like spend most of my time. Whenever I have holidays or stuff, I'll split my time between Glasgow and Ireland. The, the only thing I've thought about is I'll probably be, will finish in one of those two. That's where like my home will be, I think. But where, I don't know. Okay, so Gla- Glasgow or, or Ireland, like what, you, you'll, you'll pick one to do? Glasgow or Ireland, I'll say. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Just don't say Monaghan because I mean you'll never get you'll never show your face back in Cavan again. No, no, no. no. Um, in in saying that, um, would you ever think to go back and play GAA? Because a lot of lads have finished up playing soccer. I mean, we, we with um, at good levels, you know, kind of in, in Scotland and England, and come back. 
uh, would you ever think of going back and maybe having extend the career a wee bit, you know, kind of uh, live the dream and lead Cavan out in uh, in Clonus for uh, an Ulster final? Uh, I used to always think that I would, but now I don't think so. Because now I think I can play a good bit longer in soccer. And I think by the time I'd finish, I'd, I reckon I'd, it'd be probably a bit too too old. Um, plus, Gaelic's pretty boring now as well. So, <laughs> okay. Now that that that's a fair enough slap if, if it's at other Ulster counties or Dublin. But um, why why is Gaelic football boring? Like, would you would you be up to watch it? Because I I don't watch it so much. I don't watch a lot of it, and my only experience of it is really playing it which is 10, 12 years ago. And then when I go home and watch, because I'm always during the summertime, beginning of June, I'll get a championship match. Like, when I'm not used to how Gaelic is played now, it's infuriating to watch. Because I just go back to what it was like when I played, where, like, you just kick it as far as you can, catch it, and try and score a point. Whereas now the guy, like, lads are... 30, 35 metres out and they don't, like, totally free and don't shoot. You see, I, I'm, you're, you're a fair bit younger than me, but I'm of the same opinion as well. I, I want to get, you know, get the ball up front and have a bang. And if you don't score, hey, tackle back, like the defence starts up in the corner forwards. Would you then go into coaching Gaelic football and lead a, a Cavan revolution and be back to winning all Ireland's again? Maybe that's, maybe that's my route. I'll be the, the anti Jim McGuinness <laughs> and everything. It's annoying. I'll go from I'll go from soccer to Gaelic, and I'll go his the opposite to his approach and how and how he plays. You'll have like fifth, like fourteen men in front of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a, just a go just a goalie and sweeper, and then everyone else attack. <laughs> well, at least it just hopefully in Ulster football anyway. So that's the you yeah. can get the balance right. Kenny, listen, thanks a million for that. Look, I, we're 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 massively proud of you for what you've done because again, you're a lot of people listening to this. We've all moved abroad, lived lives, and taken chances. You've done that and succeeded. So um, thank you very very much. No problem. Enjoyed it. Pleasure. Okay, and the very best of luck as well for the rest of the season and to uh, plots as well. Thanks very much, Alan. As the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's game, we'd like to thank Killian Sheridan for his time and wish him the very best of luck as the season resumes in Poland. We'd like to wish all our member clubs around Europe the very best of luck, those who are going back into training and those who are still waiting to do so. Remember, we're all in this together. So until Sunday, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.